Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million, and this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. And now it's time to get an artist's perspective, because Name Three Songs wouldn't be here without the music. So friends, as you can tell from our intro, and the fact that this is dropping on your feeds on not a Sunday, we're doing something different. We're expanding the idea of what Name Three Songs can be. We are giving Zach Sang a run for his money, y'all. It is our... <laughs> we are... <laughs> We are trying to be the feminist Zach Sang over here. I think we can do it. I feel like we have the ability. We have the star power, obviously. (laughs) And we are just really excited about this because I'm sure, as you guys could tell from, like, Instagram stories we've posted and TikToks we've posted kind of since we started Name Three Songs, we've always wanted to figure out a way to, like, properly interview artists. But as we've kind of grown and changed what we're doing with our Sunday episodes and they've become way more educational, with having all of the journalists and scholars and all that on we wanted to figure out a way for artists to come on that made more sense for us to be able to talk about their music as well as our shared ethos of like why we have named three songs and why we care about feminist issues because obviously like so many artists do care about these things but it's also important to talk about their art form and how it might not necessarily always correlate back to those exact themes so now we have this (laughs) we have this new episode that our going to come to you on Wednesdays. They're not going to be a very regular thing, but when they do happen, just know that these artists have our full stamp of approval and we think that they're really awesome and we want to share them with y'all because as we say all the time, you guys are our friends and what do you do with your friends? You share music with each other. And you send them this episode so they can learn more and educate themselves to be better humans. Truly, (laughs) truly, because we did get the absolute perfect guest for our first installment of this interview series. I don't think we could have done better honestly like this was such a fun interview to do and I'm just so excited for you guys to get to know Poppy our guest today because she's an incredible musician and just like so eloquently puts every thought that I've ever had and I put like uh, the nutcase that I am and so it was just a gift to talk to her today so now that I've gotten you guys excited for our guest today Jenna can you introduce everybody to Poppy please Yes, so today we're going to be joined by Poppy Ajuda, who's an artist based in South London with a St. Lucian and British background. Her music is a blend of soul, R&B, jazz, pop, with amazing feminist messages that we're going to get a lot into today. Her releases have seen her rack up over 100 million streams. She's been featured on tracks with Tom Mish and Moses Boyd. She's also gotten support from BBC Radio. She's been featured in publications such as the evening standard dazed vogue fader complex gay times and she even appeared on barack obama's best of the year playlist which fun fact and poppy has her debut album that has just come out on april 22nd it's called the power in us it has so many amazing messages within it and we're gonna be getting into all of that today so without further ado, hi Poppy. Thank you so much for joining us today on Name Three Songs. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, we're so happy to have you because your album The Power in Us came out on April 22nd and it's such a good album and the themes of this album work so well with everything that Name Three Songs is about. So it's really exciting to get to talk to you today about your music and just you and your passion for feminist topics because your album does dive into a lot of those. And the album as a whole is kind of a political statement, even though it's ridiculous to even say that anything feminist would be a political statement, but you know how the world is. And it really encapsulates what it means to be a woman and all the things we deal with in the 21st century. So what inspired you to incorporate these messages specifically into your lyricism? That's an interesting question. I don't think I was in like I was inspired to make certain songs as in like to make music. But I don't think anything inspired me to write what I wrote Mm -hmm. because or what I write in general, because it's just 
talking about my existence and talking about my own story and, and hoping that through telling my own story, one, I can become more comfortable with it and shed away any kind of like shame or taboo into relation to myself, but also that by sharing my story, I might be able to connect with others. And I think that's always the driving force when I write a song that is like feminist or critical about certain like social issues or any of that kind of thing. I don't think I'm like, oh, I should like write a song about yeah. it. It's kind of more just, I'm feeling this thing and I need to get it out and that's my way of expressing myself is through music and and other people have other ways of expressing themselves but it's very much like a personal thing as well as like a thing for other people yeah I feel like that makes a lot of sense because like throughout this whole podcast it's like you find all these things to yell about and we're like oh my god I just can't believe this is happening and the different ways in which people have figured out how to talk about this thing that again like we said feels Mm. like a political statement but it's really just something you go through in day-to-day life is just insane because I think as you're growing up these things are happening to you and you don't really understand them until you reach a certain point where you've learned enough where you're like oh this is an injustice like what is going on here Mm. so the next thing that we're both curious about is like when did you really become aware of feminist issues and that these injustices and like what made you passionate to not only write about them and sing about them but also to like study this Yeah, I think I've always been quite aware of, in like a very odd way, like I grew up in a single parent household, so my mum did everything and and was very much like, didn't make a thing about that. It wasn't like, oh, I'm a struggling parent. It was like, yeah, I need to knock down a wall. I can knock down a wall. I need to like do the plumbing. I'll do the plumbing. Mm -hmm. Like she had that kind of energy about her. And also even, I didn't come from like a very like sympathetic, coddled childhood. It was like, okay, well, if you want to stay out to 1am, then find your way home. (laughs) So I just didn't have that kind of energy of like, I need to be like scared of anything I had to be quite a strong and independent person and woman from a very early age and so I think what I realized from that is that like okay so if I'm out or I'm, I'm experiencing things or I'm, I'm being objectified in certain ways and, and for me that started very young like especially I feel like for most women but especially as like a mixed race woman that like hypersexualization happened from like 13 and so everywhere I'd go I'd get this kind of attention that was very confusing for me and made me feel very unsafe from a young age and so but I still wanted to do things so I was always aware that it wasn't okay and that it couldn't stop me from doing things so I feel like that's maybe where the beginnings of my feminist thought started in terms of like what you can wear out or what you can do or who you can be with or how people will behave or you know any of those things I was kind of always quite hyper vigilant about like safeguarding yeah. myself as well so I think I was always just very aware of like the world and and what that oppression was whether or not I saw it as something I could talk about or like something that I could change it was more just this is the way it is but it's not right and I don't like it and I'm not gonna just like submit to the way that a woman should be or a girl should be because I'm getting this attention or I'm getting like whatever it was in life so I think I always had quite an opinionated and I guess like rebellious energy towards myself and I probably got that from my mum because she didn't give a fuck either and like she just did whatever she wanted to do but I think that kind of you look for ways to understand your world and you look for ways to like understand who you are and I think that came from studying it or like probably came from writing songs first Mm -hmm. and writing songs about how I felt and who I was but I think I didn't really begin writing political songs or songs about the world instead of songs about love until I got to the point where I could articulate myself in that Mm -hmm. way I think I kind of struggled with oh why do I feel like this or like I had a lot of um, internalized homophobia so I wasn't out as a queer person for a long time until I went to uni and I kind of realized that I, I took a gender class that kind of showed me how normal it was to be who I was or or, or taught me things that I just didn't know existed mm-hmm. because I didn't yeah. have that support around me when I was growing up from family or friends and so I think I learned the language I needed to use in order to write songs about these kind of things because actually my attention had always been on having an opinion about the world or wanting to argue about things that I didn't think were right that someone else said and we we have a discussion about it. My focus has never really been about love songs and getting settled down or getting married. That's never really been something in my mind. But I think it took education and and reading and and all those kind of things to really step into my power in that sense. I didn't feel like I had the authority to talk on those issues until I read more and I read feminist work or I read like different theorists. I, I studied anthropology. Apology. that helped me really engage in the world 
in like a informed way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love what you say about stepping into your power. You can't get there before you get there. Like sometimes it just takes things to fall into place and mm. to learn certain things or meet certain people mm. or like discover things about yourself to get there. And going back to like the story of like you growing up, the other thing too is like having that awareness of like the world and the awareness mm. of yourself of like, this doesn't feel right. Mm. But like a lot of people around you are going to be like, that's just how it is. Or like mm. try to dismiss that or like kind of gaslight you into thinking <laughs> mm. that that type of behavior is okay from other people. And I think that's like, you know, a lot of women, I mean, speaking from like the Americans perspective, a lot of especially white women will just ignore racism or like even ignore just like sexist bullshit because they're like, oh, but this is how I've grown up. And like, this is how I've been taught. And like, this is just the way the world is. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. It's like you're saying, like realizing those injustices and like, it doesn't need to be this way. And like, Mm. I can educate myself and I can find other people who care about these topics and continue to learn and continue to help others learn and like push for a different society. Yeah, and I think that there is also something in the fact that in order to discover new ways of being or to be accepted by new groups of people outside of the ones that you kind of fall into, you also have to be open to the world and open to that, which isn't something that women are really afforded to do because we're so worried about our safety all the time. We don't really like branch out into new spaces, just talk to random strangers. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when I was younger and I would have boyfriends or I'd be out with like boyfriends' parents and you would see how like couples interact so much so differently with the strangers. Like an older man will be really like uh, charismatic and like talk to random people or say hello in the morning or like say like talk when, when you're on a walk or something mm-hmm. in the countryside and the wife just doesn't the wife just like stays quiet most of the time because I just think women are taught to be so much more like closed and so much more like oh well it's better safe than sorry if you talk to a stranger then you might give them the wrong idea mm-hmm. or any of these kind yeah. of things yeah. so I think that kind of plays into our conditioning to not branch out and, it, and I think it is used as social control in some way because if you don't branch out then you don't learn that there are other ways that you can be and I think even like as a very confident like adult person now I still feel the pressure of like conforming to gender norms in certain ways all the time and that's as someone who like I don't know I have a a level of like personal power being like a musician and an artist to break out of the mold I think I'm afforded especially from like family it's like oh well like Poppy's a bit weird because she's an artist Mm -hmm. you know what I mean I'm kind of allowed to like cut off all my hair or dress like a boy or the things that I would get like criticized for when I was younger yeah I kind of I'm allowed to do it now because it's seen in a different way but you know what about all of those women or people that uh, that don't have that space to move you know how how do they get like their family or their friends to acknowledge like who they are as they are outside of like the constraints of how society thinks we should be literally like everything you're saying I'm just like oh my god like it's so many good points and it's you're saying like the way you're saying it's just like incredible because we did this one episode about like the virgin horror complex within like pop stars Mm. and how that also just like affects women and girls Mm. uh, forever and how in America like we have a lot of this like forced kind of like Christian values on us of like virginity and kind of promising your dad you're not just going to give up your virginity and all these ideas of kind of like men's owner yeah like men's ownership over women and girls and how like we can't control our bodies and it's just so insane how much these things are like quote-unquote pop culture tropes and that Mm. they always play into roles in music and that people are very much like trying to step out of that within like the confinements of the box of like what a pop singer is supposed to look like and act like and all that stuff and like I said like the virgin whore thing very much stems back to kind of like the Britney's like the Jessica Simpsons Mm. all those sort of people and I guess like when it comes to what you're doing and what you're talking about and selling the image of pop music how do you deal with that yeah (laughs) that's a big question (laughs) (laughs) um I think what's interesting is because I've been an independent artist my whole life while I've seen other people deal with the pressures of having to conform to a certain idea of like what successful like womanhood is I've never really had those voices in my ears saying you should be like this however I do think that my career path might be different had I conformed from an earlier age and I do still feel that pressure all the time to conform in certain ways. I think you are more marketable. Like you're going to offend less people or you're going to offend less people's idea of what a woman should mm-hmm. be. Because I think often, Literally. <laughs> yeah, like other even other women's internalized misogyny yeah. means that they don't actually want to see you being different because that would mean that it would like break their idea of what yeah. a woman should mm-hmm. be. And yeah. they maybe are not ready for that change.
change or ready to realize that that's a construct that they've conformed to I think it's easier to see like gender norms as like naturalized things that we don't have a choice about because sometimes it's easier when you don't have a choice and it's much more complicated to kind of unpick who it is that you are when you don't follow the kind of more kind of simple trodden route and so I think it is controversial to behave differently or to look different and that might be something that not everybody likes and I think that probably does make you a a riskier selling point for a major label or all of those kind of things and that's something that I've kind of become aware of which I think when I was younger I didn't even think about because for me it was always quite a personal journey Mm -hmm. things like cutting off all my hair was quite a personal thing with trying to from what I was saying earlier about being quite hypersexualized from a young age I had very like long light highlights and it was I had a very feminine look and I was kind of this like ambiguous quote-unquote exotic woman or girl and I felt like that played into my hypersexualization by men everywhere and so I really wanted to see if I could still find myself beautiful without that thing that is so like politicized Mm -hmm. like women's hair yeah Yeah. is so politicized Britney shaving her head, yeah, like literally, literally because yeah. she didn't want people to control her. Yeah, exactly. There's so much in hair and the way that women should wear it, and that intersectionally as well, because black women's hair. Yeah. Um, has a whole nother level of politicization. So I think that was something for me that was quite personal. It was like, I want to still like myself. And I think there was something probably part of like my queerness that was part of that as well with breaking away from what the world might have expected of Mm -hmm. me. But then it kind of just became part of my look as an artist because as I grew up as an adult, like I became more of an artist and you know it kind of all fed into each other and I didn't really ever consider that I should conform Mm -hmm. it wasn't really a thing in my mind I'm quite stubborn so maybe that's why I didn't even consider it but yeah I think there is a lot of pressure and I think as you break more into the commercial space that pressure becomes bigger Mm -hmm. and I and I'm aware of that all the time I think body image the way that you look like even the face filters Mm -hmm. I like myself less when I don't have a filter on my face and I never thought I would be one of those people because I always saw people put filters on which make their nose smaller and their eyes bigger and all these things and I was like I'd never use that but then you kind of you fall into that trap and you realize that you can become obsessed with a version Mm -hmm. that doesn't exist and I think that yeah it just kind of all goes in to each other and it's something that we have to just constantly check ourselves on otherwise there is no way to be happy in the world and and the world makes it hard enough as it is but you know you have to find a way to accept yourself as you are and commercial culture doesn't make that easy oh my gosh okay there's i love so much in what you've just said said sorry i went on a a tangent (laughs) number one Literally, yeah, we do. Number one, you said something about cutting your hair and like presenting yourself in like a quote unquote alternative way and mm. not being part of queer culture. And that kind of just like unlocks something in my brain. Because we talked about this in different in different ways on our podcast. We've talked about like the rebellion and like the way you dress and stuff. But mm. I think that makes a lot of sense of it's like people in the queer community feel a certain way inside and they want to show outwardly like they don't identify with the same way that like the masses identify or like the, mm. the structural way that we've been told to identify. So I think that's something really beautiful but also going back to this idea of boxes we were able to talk to like a cultural anthropologist the other week on our podcast and he Mm. was he was making this point that by human nature we like want organization Mm. and we like want things to fit into boxes (laughs) and it's crazy that like we just continually keep coming back to this conversation of it's like let people be individuals let people live their lives let people express themselves how they want to but like by human nature we want things to fit into boxes like that to me just is like so crazy it's like can we ever overcome this like human need to categorize things and put labels on people I think that that's such a funny point because I think it's quite confusing especially in like the modern era that I think it's amazing to express your identity and be individual Mm -hmm. but I think we've moved into an era where individualism is like supreme and our identities are so important and we and I love that but I also feel like we've kind of become obsessed with ourselves and who we are and labeling what it is that we are in order to make sense of it and it almost becomes more constraining when we do that and I think there is also a level of like individualist culture comes from neoliberalism it comes from capitalism Mm -hmm. and it like plays into other things that you know what about community what about being in groups or like I don't know like when you experience traditional like family culture it's funny like if I like 
am having lunch with my like the black side of my family which is maybe more traditional and more like community based and more like based around like the family unit sometimes I don't feel like I fit in because I think and I'm the youngest in my family like I think I see myself as too much of an individual I don't see myself as fitting into their group because I have all these things that make me different but it also kind of can come across as narcissism sometimes because I don't want to be seen in the group and I want to be seen as an individual I kind of separate myself and alienate myself from like the group ideas which may also be useful for like my mental health or like for my connections with others or all of those things and so it's like I feel like it's a constant conflict and I hope that we'll get to a point where we kind of make sense of the balance because I feel like we've kind of thrown ourselves especially with the internet and like social media and it making us so individual and so like obsessed with ourselves and so independent and like able to create an empire on your own like so many people are are self-starters of their of their own like destiny and their own careers and and all of these kind of Mm -hmm. things but then we become quite separated I think from other generations yeah and I I feel like I'm constantly aware of like that conflict which I'm not really sure about how how to work out A lot of what we see um, with like online culture and the way things are going is like you're saying, like there's so much want for individualism that in a lot of ways it's bringing some people closer together and spreading more people apart because we do talk a lot about as well, like the positive feedback loop that people find themselves in because of Mm. social media and how sometimes you can like exist so much within a bubble of people who have similar thought processes to you and all that sort of stuff, especially apps like TikTok talk which like feed what you want like so well where Mm. you can't really you you don't really know what else is going on unless you search it out and I think that's something that's so interesting just in regards to like the ways in which music has been talked about in the past and people in the spotlight have been talked about in the past because even though there are these positive feedback loops there are these like safe spaces for people in the queer community for people who come from different backgrounds and races and all that sort of stuff then you go out into the real world and you come across like the daily mail and the sun and all these places Mm. that are just like doing the exact opposite of what your positive feedback loop is doing online and so it's something that like we find really interesting because most of our episodes we talk about how these celebrities that we really think are good role models or just awesome people are like spoken about really negatively by the media and how the media is slowly getting sort of taken over by people who are like younger millennials and saw how the media treated people and are slowly trying to change it. But it's a hard job and it's a very long job. And that kind of brings us to like how we even came across you because I saw your TikTok about how you went to like an event and the Daily Mail did their thing that they always do, which is they included a photo of you in the story and wrote a caption about how you looked and all of the things were like, oh, like a leggy display, like a a tight dress and all that stuff like they've done for decades on end. And all the Mm. men were like, looked dapper, looked confident, looked luxurious, Mm. whatever. And so, I mean, like, obviously the Daily Mail now is something that you can get anywhere because we have the internet, but... Also, a lot of people weren't aware of it in America for a really long time. And as somebody who grew up in England wanting to be a musician and like being aware that like at some point you're probably going to wind up on that website. What was it like showing up there and them referring to you like that? And like, how did you handle it at first? And what made you decide to like acknowledge it on TikTok? Well, I guess you guys have your own versions of right with media. (laughs) So it's nothing new. But yeah, I think it's funny with the Daily Mail because what's ironic is that I was dressed very much like how a woman should dress, if you think about it. I felt quite feminine. I never really wear heels and I was wearing heels and a dress. And I wonder what they have said if I had turned up looking like this because it's like the double standard for women is that you can't win either way. Is that you dress like they want you to dress and then you get like objectified for it. And I just thought it was really ironic because I guess the pictures were sold to the Daily Mail mm-hmm. because the photographer there would have probably been Getty yeah. Images and the irony for me but I had so many comments on that video which were like dumb and stupid and just like didn't make any sense were that yeah there, one there was a double standard for men and women where women were hypersexualized and fetishized because a lot of the women that they spoke about uh, spoke about were black mm-hmm. women and they used like terms that just felt very like fetishizing yeah. and then all the men were talked about in very like striking confident ways but the irony was is that I was at the launch party for a new collection for a designer and I was wearing his designs <laughs> but 
Oh my god. They didn't even comment on the fact that I'm wearing the collection. Oh my god. Like you chose to comment on my legs when you're when the article is about the fact that Ozzo Botang has launched his new collection and his first women's wear and I'm wearing his first women's wear and the, wow. the journalist doesn't even know that I'm wearing the women's wear because he's too busy staring at my legs. Wow. It's just so ironic and it's funny because you don't like I don't expect to experience that in that space because I've never been in the Daily Mail before. And so it was quite like, I don't know, I guess like shocking. Mm -hmm. And then like, I was like, when I looked through it and saw, like unpicked what was actually happening, it was just a bit like, this is just really irritating. And I feel like I should acknowledge what's going on here because I know that other people see this, but you know, if you, if you experience something, you can call it out. And because it's me in the picture, I can tell them to shut the fuck up. (laughs) So talking about my legs, because, I could have done anything but it probably wouldn't have been right I don't know like I just think it highlighted a lot that's wrong with our society and I mean the Daily Mail are great at highlighting what's wrong with our society but that doesn't mean we should stop telling them like a lot a lot of the comments that I got were kind of like what do you expect and it's a little bit like men are sexist yeah like Like, men are sexist so what do I expect yeah it's like what so I'm not supposed to say anything like next time someone cat calls me I don't tell them to fuck off because what do I expect boys will be boys what they're saying is boys will be boys and it's like that is such a like outdated concept for how to deal with issues that one are disrespectful but two are like counterproductive to like the direction of society and and how we want the world to be for people after us that like some people just miss the bigger picture and and they don't even see between the lines because it's just so far from their experience yeah yeah well the other thing too is like (laughs) it's so frustrating because it's like how can they even know better if they've literally never been exposed to feminist theory or just ideas that are counter to their own Mm. and this is like what is so upsetting like that sarah and i have learned in the course of doing this podcast is a lot of feminist theory type things you don't learn until you're in college and they're electives or like Mm. they're your chosen path to study like at least in american school like growing up grade school like never never ever never even touch on that racism Mm. does not exist like (laughs) like forget gender theory like racism 101 america's not racist because we already like had to pay for our sins right Mm. so it's just so frustrating because it's like and i think you've said i want men to engage more heavily in feminism and really see like how their defiance against it only holds both women and men back Mm. but it's like how do we even get there if like there's so many people who like number one aren't willing to engage or number two are like oh but like I have female friends so therefore like I'm a feminist and I'm not the problem or number three because of that they think they're like this great person but then like all of their women friends like they treat with respect but then when they go to date someone uh Mm. they're just like gaslighting them the whole time yeah I think what what's interesting it kind of comes back to the point that um sorry you made earlier the con that I I think we one we have to acknowledge that there is a lot more work to do and regardless of like how many adverts or like how like liberal society looks like it is actually in reality there's a lot of work that is still to be Mm -hmm. done and we have to be willing to like have these difficult conversations and coming back to the point you said about safe spaces and like your own bubble and like these positive feedback loops I think what I realized was that I thought everybody thought like me and like I have lots of male friends who are very like liberal and forward thinking and like feminists and would call themselves feminist so I thought it was kind of like the odd one out that wasn't like that which just seems crazy now to me mm-hmm. and what I realized was I actually dated a guy who was from a very different space from me like not a creative industry like different world and he was like a nice guy but like he was like a 30 year old man and didn't know what the term misogyny meant oh my god like there were so many things that he didn't know and we would fight about feminism all the time Mm -hmm. because obviously like i'm me and he's (laughs) him and what i realized is he actually didn't know he'd actually not heard these things in his circles around his people and what i realized is that like you can't criticize someone for what they don't know yeah. And you can't expect someone to be where you are when I've yeah. done a degree, I've taken courses, like I've done all of these things that are based around my understanding of feminism or gender theory or whatever it is. And then I'm meeting someone, and I'm expecting them to know what I know because I know yeah. it. When actually we're all coming from different spaces. Yeah. And instead of, and I could have been like, well, you don't know what I'm talking about, so whatever. But that's not 
like productive and I think sometimes we're not willing to have conversations with people who think differently from us and actually that stops like culture from progressing and I I get that like we should have safe spaces I think we should have safe safe spaces that are great for us to recharge and connect with people who are like us but we also have to be willing to have difficult conversations what are you going to do like like throw away all your family who are like problematic as hell like when isn't the older generation problematic they all are like they're all problematic all the time and it's like am I not going to have a relationship with my dad because he says sex is shit no I'm going to argue with him for the whole drive about it because that's what you're supposed to do with people that you care about you're supposed to like have conversations that are difficult and be willing to like see each other's perspectives in order to come to like some kind of common ground but if you're not willing to have the conversation in the first place then you don't really care about changing anything you just care about where you're at like I I get it if someone is is actively choosing not to understand you or like actively choosing not to learn things and I think like there's an element of yeah like people have to do their own work but I also I really believe that we have to be willing to have those conversations and I I think it kind of also started with my dad where I would get really upset with Mm -hmm. him about stuff and I would get so riled up about something that he's asking me to explain because I think he should already know it but it's like if I believe in this thing why am I not able to articulate it like in a calm way like why am I being overly emotional because it because it's something that affects me and I guess maybe that's like my personal trauma yeah but I think sometimes we have to be able to like separate separate ourselves from a concept in order to be able to like actually like face Mm -hmm. it with another person well I think part of the frustrating thing in like what you're saying is that it's not always easy to articulate yeah and I think Mm. because there's so many layers to it of like there's so many I mean the common term for it now would be like microaggressions Mm. but there's so many like minor little microaggressions along the way like even just like a comment in the workplace like a male commenting on like a female's like attire in the Mm. workplace is like technically sexual harassment like by HR standards but it's like things that like we just put up with so much or we're just told to put up with so much that like we don't even like realize those are these transgressions and if you've never had the education like it's so hard to understand these concepts because Mm. and like we talked about this a little bit previously but like it's like these catch-all phrases are like you know fuck the patriarchy or like down with misogyny it's like yeah cool but like what does that actually mean? Because there's so many different aspects of our life that Mm. all these things fall into. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think that while it's really useful having these words to explain things and to be like acknowledged for the oppression that you might experience, I think, yeah, there is an element of like, we need to be able to break them down in a way that like is accessible to people who don't have access to maybe higher education or haven't had like that access to choose a course in gender or would even choose a course in gender because a lot of men don't even think that that is something that is a space that they would be accepted into i think we have to be able to have conversations on a level that that don't exclude and alienate certain groups and i don't think there's anything wrong with that i don't think there's anything wrong with being able to like simplify a concept in a way that doesn't dilute the message but it still allows you to you know address Mm -hmm. it and talk about it in like a balanced way i would say bob marley was a really great example of someone who was able to like use a really and not so much feminist but use a big overarching topic about something that he wanted to change and simplify it in a way that made you be able to acknowledge it but it didn't ever dilute the message of what he was talking about and I just think that like we have to be able to communicate in that way sometimes which helps us connect with other people because I I think we're actually becoming in we're we're moving into a more isolated world and I don't want to be like I'm sympathizing with people who are really problematic but I think everybody's problematic I think we all don't know things and do things wrong or like have different access to different things Mm -hmm. at different points and I think maybe this generation has become a little bit less like empathetic towards other people's experiences and we have no time for anyone else and I think we sometimes have to step outside of I think that comes from identity politics we have to step outside of ourselves and what our experience is and who like my identity is this and if you're not like understanding it then like fuck you like I don't I don't agree with that I think like if you're confident in who you are it's like okay you think I look like a boy I actually don't care but it's interesting that you say that why do you think that why can't we have conversations that aren't based around like a trauma response to everything and, and I've spoken about it on my <laughs> podcast with someone else who like sh- I think she kind of has a perspective that is seen as quite controversial her name is Aisha Akambi mm-hmm. and 
she's an incredible like speaker and thinker but she does have this like perspective that is like kind of similar to what I'm saying and I think it is a useful way to to think about the world if you are someone who has to engage with random people which we all do we can't just be in groups of like people that get us no like that's the thing and like something again that we're always championing is that like if something's affecting you you have to talk about it with these people you can't just ignore it because if you have people that you care about in your life or people that you have to deal with on a day to day basis who constantly are just butting heads with you and disagreeing with you just because they don't know it's like nothing's ever going to change if you're not going to like open up the discourse obviously there are some Mm. people that like that discourse is never going to actually happen but there are mm. more... You have to choose your battles. <laughs> yeah, choose your battles. Yeah, exactly. Some people, you can tell the fuck off. <laughs> exactly, but there are some... I'm, I'm not saying, like, open your arms to everyone <laughs> and just, like, come by our let's hug with the racist. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Because, like, that's the thing is it's, like, I feel like a lot of people think that where, like, they think, like, oh, they want me to, like, open discourse with everyone. It's, like, no, like, you're smart enough. Like, we trust you as, like, strangers, as humans to, like, know who is like a worthy person to like have the discussion with because there are Mm. going to be people whose minds you can kind of change and it is really interesting because we've even gotten feedback from open-minded people who like men who listen to our podcast who will kind of be like oh wow like I never thought about this in that way and it's like Mm. yes that's all we want is for what we're talking about Mm. to change like change your viewpoint a little bit so that you talk about it with your friends and like you mentioned and then you can do the work yeah exactly and like you mentioned with the Bob Marley example and even with like your new album it's like when you put these ideas to music it makes it like Mm. a much more accessible way for people to come across a conversation that they might not come across or might not search out where they're they'll hear a song and they'll be like oh shit like I've never thought about it this way I've Mm. never like seen it from this point of view because for some people music is going to be something that no matter if they agree with the topic of the lyrics or not like they're going to respond to a lot better than listening to like a TED talk or somebody on the news or somebody yelling on TikTok or tweeting or whatever and so I think it's just Mm. like spreading these messages through music is such a good way to start a conversation that might not have started otherwise. Yeah, because there isn't that level of, like, personal, like... I mean, obviously, you have my personal feeling, but you can't, like, fight with the song, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I can't be like, you're triggering me, and I can't have this conversation, but it it can help you provoke thought, and I think that's what I really care about more than anything else. I don't believe that, like, I can change the world as one person. I I think that changing the world happens over a long period of time with lots of people and, like, lots of social movements, and I know that a lot of the things that I would like to see changed, I might not see in my lifetime, but that doesn't mean I've not being part of the change of something but I think what I really care about doing with my music is starting that conversation and making another person maybe think about something in a way they hadn't thought about it before because that's what we can offer other people if I'm inspired I would love to inspire other people Mm -hmm. and I would love to inspire them to be feminist if I'm going to inspire them to do anything yeah (laughs) (laughs) I love it there's a very strong agenda yes absolutely and I mean okay so speaking like specifically about your music mother sister girlfriends is one of those songs that talks about a lot of the boxes that like we're expected to conform to in our daily Mm. lives and you had this like interlude that comes right after the song on your album and you had these lyrics in there that I just really loved like they immediately jumped out at me you said you want to be empowering you want to be powerful but you also want to reject the norms that society or patriarchal ideas may impose on you so how do you do that in a useful way and then you go on to say am I selling my image in a way that takes away from the expression of my skill or am I reclaiming something that I has been used to oppress me and I mean there's like really like that those are deep questions Um, and like one of the things that we talk about a lot on this podcast also is this idea of like being sexualized within Mm. the like heteronormative male gaze of the patriarchy versus being empowered I think we're all constantly grappling with this of like can we truly empower Mm. ourselves can we truly be empowered and walk the world and be empowered when we're still living within the confines of like a heteronormative patriarchal society it's 
what a mindfuck, isn't so it? So much so. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that that is the conflict, the constant conflict of all women. And some women choose different ways to like make sense of the mm-hmm. world. And I think that like I, that question is a very like the question that I pose in that that is like kind of speech that I do in that interlude. I think is an important one for a lot of women. Is that like you know like the the con like the controversy around Cardi B and like oh but she's like hypersexualizing herself or she's objectifying herself yeah. Yeah. or is she reclaiming something that has been used yeah. to oppress mm-hmm. her and becoming successful for it it's like oh so like we're supposed to like reject capitalism and reject everything but I can't like I still have to exist in the world <laughs> and so how can I be successful yeah. but yeah. you don't want me to use the things that like it's like you can't win either way and so like she's decided to capitalize on something that has helped her to become successful. And I think it is very much about like female empowerment and um, being who she wants to be and expressing herself in a way that she wants to and also in a way that women are told not to express because of the whole virgin whore thing. That like you can't be a sexual being and be respected or be powerful because your power doesn't come in that form and there are only very strict routes that you can have your power. And like in itself, that is subverting a concept that has been constructed to oppress women. So she is doing that. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, for like someone like my mum's age or my mum's generation, she's just seeing that as like, she's objectifying herself or it's grotesque or like, um, it doesn't translate in the same way. And I think every woman has to find their way of understanding how to navigate the world. And I said something about in there about being unjudged. And it's like, I don't want to judge any other person about the way they want to live their life. I don't care. You do what you're doing. I'll do what I'm doing. Let's all just mind our business and do it and like as long as you're not hurting anyone we're good but I think every person has to work that out for themselves and I think that that is a different route compared like depending on who you are but I think especially as an artist someone in the public eye and a woman that is something that I'm always aware of I always want it to feel like empowering if I am gonna be like overtly sexual or like sexually empowered in the way that I use a music video or have nudity I want it to be very much about my empowerment and not about like the yeah. male gaze and I think that's something that I always always try and bring through in my music or in my like visual additions yeah. to my music yeah. the concept that this is very much coming from me and what I want to do because I'm a sexual being and that's yeah. fine. You know, yeah. I think there is empowerment in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 100%, because, like, we talk about this a lot with Megan Thee Stallion, yeah. who we, like, love. But a lot of times, it's, like, the black female rappers in America who are, like, pushing forward the narrative when it comes to this, like, sexual empowerment conversation because they're kind of they're kind of forced to be put in that position. Like, they're going to mm. be sexualized no yeah. matter what. But, like, they're busting down a lot of doors that the white pop girlies mm. are just not. Yeah. You may as well be in control of of your vision. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like, don't have someone else telling you how to be. I can't think of anything worse mm-hmm. than like some old white man at a major label telling me that I have to get my ass out. Like, please, oh my god, literally, <laughs> literally. <laughs> like, please stop before I slap yeah. you. Like, oh my god. And it's not to say that like Dua Lipa isn't making her own creative decisions. It's just that she's not taking the same risks that someone like Megan Thee Stallion yeah. is. Mm. And something that we've kind of come to the general consensus with like Megan is that, like you said, she's doing this on her own accord because she wants to, because she Mm -hmm. wants to talk about these things, because this is the way that she feels powerful and she feels sexy. And in that regard, it is empowerment. And also every person is different. So like some people don't care about sex and not sexually driven and not like overtly sexual people. And so they might present themselves in a different way, whereas other people are, and that's Mm -hmm. fine. If you see, like, some of your power being in your sexual power, or that's how you feel, like, strong, or that's how you like to present in the world, then that's up to you, as long as you don't have someone else in your ear telling you to do it. Because I think in any choice you make in life, it has to come from your heart and how you want to express yourself or how you feel most empowered. Otherwise, you're not... It's about being true to yourself. Otherwise, you're not being true to who you are, and you'll always feel like you're in either someone else's shadow or you're like I don't know masked by something else I think something that I always search for is like who I am and who I want to Mm -hmm. be and part of that like deconditioning of gender norms and all of those things is trying to work that Mm -hmm. out who would I be without all of these things that are being put on me to be and I think that that's a confusing journey for anyone oh yeah 
but all you can lead with is, is intention and with happiness you you want to make sure that in your life you're happy with the t- decisions you make yeah definitely you just said that perfectly and like jenna you and i literally have the same thought like i think i would have said the exact same response before which, <laughs> but it's it's that thing where i think also there is so much of like the patriarchal ideas that we're we have in our head that we automatically view the feminine form as sexual when that's not necessarily true it's just how we've been programmed to view women and their bodies and like some people will be like oh well this is done in an artsy way so therefore it's not sexual when like maybe that was the point or like therefore it's not Mm. for men and it's like but maybe that was what they were trying to go for you know well also like that's part of the male gaze it's like well maybe i'm gay and i'm doing it for women like fuck off like why why like why are we gonna assume that like the reason that like i had my boobs out was because it was for men maybe i don't care like that is literally heteronormativity the concept Uh, that that's what it's for no literally because like so we did an an episode about the female (laughs) and male gaze and we were saying how like if if the heterosexual male gaze is a then the female gaze is b through z because the female gaze can mean so many different things because it's for so Mm. many different people and it's not even so much because like unfortunately that has to be a very gendered conversation because that's like what the people who invented these terms made it but it's like the female gaze has taken on this whole other thing that kind of exists outside of Mm. gender at this point where it's like people automatically might think, oh, Megan the Stallion, Cardi B shaking their asses for the male gaze. And it's like, no, it's through like T through R on the, in the alphabet <laughs> of the female gaze, actually. And it's just like the subverted idea of who actually has ownership of a female body, which is the owner of that mm. body, not the men staring exactly. at it. And it's just, yeah. Well, it's, it's so arrogant, isn't it? It's like so arrogant to assume that that's what I'm doing yeah. it for. Men are so basic. <laughs> like I can have my left toe out. And someone would catcall me. I could have the quarter of my calf out and someone would be like, nice legs. So really, did you think that I made this much effort for you lot when I actually could have just shown you my wrist? Like, it's it's ridiculous at this point. Like, remember how easily you lot are aroused and then tell me again that I, like, chose all of these outfit changes and, like, did this whole dance routine for you. I wouldn't need to do that if it was literally just for men. literally yes (laughs) but um speaking of men loving to control women's bodies you did write another song called play god um specifically talking about politicians and i think you mentioned that you were specifically inspired by like or inspired or like (laughs) you took took reference from what was happening like in alabama with like the anti-abortion laws and like Texas also has really strict laws, and Mm. now Oklahoma. But I was really interested in kind of your take on this growing up in England, where a place where, of course, it has its own flaws, but like free healthcare or like the national healthcare system, like number one, that's not a worry. Number two, the way abortion is talked about there is very, very different from how much of a political issue it is here in America. Mm. So I was just curious about like your experience kind of like watching this unfold from afar. Yeah, I mean, I wrote Play God when everything happened with Alabama and the government was was trying to impose an abortion ban, which wasn't um, passed, right? It's still not passed. I think it's just other states like Texas and Oklahoma that have passed yeah, an abortion ban. Yeah, I think ban. so. Yeah, and, so, and I think when I wrote that, I was just really angry because I, I think it's funny being British because... It's not that, like, it's okay in the UK, but in a very British way, we just don't talk about it. So I don't even remember when abortion was made legal. I just know that if I need to have one, I can have one. And it's we have a national health system, which means that it's free and everything else is free. And I just go and book it in and I go and do that. And that's something that is just, like, part of your human rights. And I've never really, like, thought about it in any other way, although there is still, like, taboo and shame around the idea of having an abortion. I think it's a much more, like, hidden way, which I think with most political issues in the UK, it can be like that. It's much more insidious because of our culture and our cultural norms. And I think when I wrote Play God, it was just, like... I think it was, like, something that tipped me over the edge about being angry... Whenever men try and play God, which is all the time, yeah. and, and that 
goes on to what we were talking about with women's bodies and control over women's bodies in other ways in the way they look and the way they dress and who they talk yeah. to and how they interact and everything is a site for contestation because you can't just exist as a human there always has to be something that you're doing that that means that you're not doing it right mm-hmm. and therefore you're not enough and therefore you're always insecure and you're always wanting attention or you're always needing validation and that is part of the psychological trauma that is social control and I think with that happening in Alabama I really wanted to write a song that encouraged women to speak out on that voice of anarchy that they might have inside yeah. because I talk to a lot of women about different things and, and because of the way that I am it often ends up being I'll meet someone for five minutes and we end up having a big conversation <laughs> about like how they should step into their power and like you should definitely dub him and you should definitely do this. and I'm like literally the worst <laughs> and what I notice is a lot of women like have things that they feel and they're not okay with or they feel very like comfortable to open up to me yeah. about certain issues in their life because they can see that I'm willing to like listen or, or that I want to yeah. hear what they have to say but they're not willing to act on it or they don't know how to act yeah. on it or they don't know how to step into their power yet and act on it yeah. and I think that Play God is very much half the song is about that and is about inspiring women to like act on the things that they want to change in their mm-hmm. life and the equality which would allow them to have more freedom in all aspects of their life but also acknowledging men's roles in that as well in the second verse is very directed at men and them taking accountability for the part that they play in upholding patriarchal values and upholding the oppression of women and it's not enough to be like oh yeah I I know that that happens and it's hard and oh I'll walk you home or like no I don't want you to walk me home I want to I don't want to have another man around me to make me safe from other men I would like to actually just be safe and be viewed as human and I think that yeah not enough men acknowledge the work that they need to do on themselves toxic masculinity like there are so many things that men need to do in order to be one better for themselves but also better for the other half of the world so that we can all like actually live better lives (laughs) and so yeah I think the song is very much about that and and I it felt very controversial when I wrote it but people seem to be loving Mm. it and yeah I didn't expect that it would well it's funny I think it's great when you write something controversial it stirs a lot and I've had a lot of trolls kind of pro-life trolls and and I guess from like a global audience there aren't people that are always going to agree with me but even even going back to what we were saying about safe spaces I think I used to find trolls really difficult and it would affect my whole day and I'd think about what I would say yeah. back and <laughs> yeah how I would change someone's mind and all of this stuff Literally. and when you get like a million trolls <laughs> on a video about abortion yeah. um, it kind of changes your perspective and I actually felt like I finally I'm doing something that is going to change minds because if everybody's agreeing with me I'm not really doing much and when the song came out I was in Texas mm-hmm. and I spoke out about that before the like before I would sing the song when I did live shows and it's it's scary because you're like I don't know how many people in this audience yeah. ferociously don't agree with what I'm saying and, yeah. and yeah. you know as part of their values or identity if, they, if they're like a religious person or yeah. something like that but it's like we have to I think personally I have to be willing to have that conversation if I believe in something I have to be willing to fight for it I can't only believe in it when I say it in front of people who believe in it too because actually then I'm not really doing anything for anyone who's unsafe like if I'm safe enough to have that conversation then I should be having it because there are people that aren't safe enough to have that conversation and there are people that like are having to travel so far to Mm -hmm. have an illegal abortion even like in Ireland and places and so like I know that that's the case in America in states in America and that's so scary and being in Texas having released a song and realizing that if I had grown up here I wouldn't be afforded that human right was just really surreal and really scary for me like you just hit on so many important factors of this and I feel like also just what you're saying before of like if you're passionate about something and like something matters to you like you have to be comfortable speaking about it no matter how scary it is Mm. and like also how in England you just don't talk about it people just go and about their business do what they need to do and you don't talk about it and I feel like in America because there's so much turmoil and so much conversation and so much of like these old politicians trying to handle people's uteruses that they've never met I think it's really important and really powerful to have artists from other countries covering these topics and singing about them and clearly being affected by what's going on because again it's like I feel like a lot of people's idea of America is like oh you know the American dream like anything can happen there blah blah blah. but like there's so many Mm. places in America that have backwards people in power or just can be quite backwards in their views and things because I mean I've lived in England on and off over the past like 10 years and it's just so interesting because I feel like so many men over here some like that I've 
come across will think that they understand feminism. They think they understand these issues. And it's like, okay, but like you probably don't have the conversations with your female friends that like my male friends in America do, because the second you get an abortion in America, you become an activist. Like it's not even Mm. a choice really, because if you've gotten one, you understand how important it is for other people to have that opportunity to be Mm. able to get one. And when they're constantly are these people trying to be like, no, you can't do that. You have to speak out about it. And so to have artists, like I said, from a country where it's just like, okay, nobody, thats it's not mm-hmm. like even a topic that seems to be up for debate. I feel like it's so important because the conversation is spreading and the uh, not only through music, mm-hmm. but like through that being able to like see how much other people are like, you guys are kind of like, you're wrong. Like this is none of your business. And I, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's just like really powerful. And the song, I think you did it incredibly and in, like the way in which like you're singing about it and wrote about it. And it's just like, there's so many ways people could fuck it up. <laughs> and it's like, and so it's really, you, but like, you know what I mean? Like it's so possible, but the song is so well done. And I think it definitely could be such a good conversation starter for these sort of things. No, I totally get what you mean and I think that it has to be personal and it has to come from a place of like understanding for a topic if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about it and I think that's so important when you're writing you you can't be telling other people's stories but but you have to be able to just be raw honest and open that's the point of art do you know what I mean it allows a level of vulnerability that we're not always allowed in life and then therefore it allows others to, to experience it in a way which might not be accessible in other spheres of the world and yeah it's amazing that play god can reach places where it might start a conversation where it's really needed and i think it's still needed here i think we still need to change minds like with all things we can't look at them at face value Mm -hmm. and you know you can't be obsessed with killing a life yeah but not willing to help someone who's then gonna have to bring up a child for 20 years of (laughs) their life literally and not maybe not be emotionally or financially ready to do that I, i i feel very strongly about that i think that you're bringing up a human who's going to affect the world it's going to affect every person they interact with you know if you want the world to be a better place and let's bring up humans in great Mm -hmm. ways you know let's let's bring out up people who are going to affect the world in in an amazing way because they've had good childhoods Mm -hmm. and they've had balanced lifestyles and like you know it's just about being thoughtful in the way that we do things and and intentional and I think everybody should have that choice with how they lead their life or, or what they want to do for the next 20 years of their mm-hmm. life. You know, we act like that's not a long time, but that's, you know, that, that could be your whole career or your whole life. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I think it's a really important topic and I hope that we get to a place where we're not talking about it anymore, but for now we are. And, and, and so I would like to continue advocating for it. It's funny how when you normalise something in your mind, it then becomes not very tabooed. Mm-hmm. I was quite scared to talk about abortion when I wrote yeah. the song. And I've talked about it so much that I like don't even think about it yeah. now. And it's really funny because I thought more people would have issues mm-hmm. with it. But Play God has been played loads on Radio 1 and I've done wow. interviews on the radio and, and the BBC aren't really allowed to be political. That's like part yeah. of their thing that they're supposed to be politically like neutral. And maybe it's because this radio DJ is a white male, a successful white male. But he's just out here talking about how the song's about pro-abortion <laughs> and like Poppy's talking about women's rights and like it's amazing. Yeah. And, and I didn't think that would even happen. I didn't envision that happening and I thought that like it would be so taboo and it is taboo but it's only taboo until we talk about it and yeah, then it just becomes yeah, normal yeah. and and the, the problem is is that we don't talk about it here so yeah it's a human right and you're allowed to get one but if you have family members that are pre- pressurizing you in other ways or partners or whatever yeah. it is or, or you're from a deeply religious family then you might not feel in control in control of your destiny and and we have to like break away from the constraints of what other people think of mm-hmm. us we have to be able to make choices ourselves, and that's so important especially as women i think that that's a really important and again you just keep hitting all these incredible points especially about the fact of like just because something is allowed and legal doesn't mean that like everybody is mm. going to just be able to go out and get it done because there are other hurdles in the way. And I just mean, like we've said throughout this whole conversation, I mean, this your whole album is covering topics that are important to cover and that I think a lot of artists have either shied away from or kind of like half-ass done music about throughout time. And so I think it's really incredible because Jenna and I do talk a lot about how the idea of what pop music is is changing the idea of what a pop star can be and look like is changing Mm. and that's quite a big thing for me I I really wanted like one of I think my goals which I haven't really thought about as much Mm -hmm. now was I really wanted to be able to write songs politically engaging but that could be listened to in in a commercial space because it's like 
the same thing that we were talking about before I can't really affect change if I'm only doing it in this tiny niche mm-hmm. actually which is funny that you say that is that I what what I want has happened I want to be able to write a song that's deeply political yeah. and it be played on radio one three times a day yeah. on the breakfast show and people are having their breakfast and they're talking about abortion <laughs> you know incredible. <laughs> and they're having arguments about abortion that's exactly what I want I want to cr- ca- cause chaos in the household and my dreams are coming true <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> that's so incredible though because like it's so important and it's so incredible just how much like I said the idea of a pop star has just completely subverted what mm. it used to be and the ideas of like the Spice Girls and Britney Spears and all these kind of cookie cutter white girls and now anybody really can do it and yeah so I'm just really excited for our listeners to get to listen to your album and really like have the moment that Jenna and I had with it because it's just like very much everything that we care about and yell about so it's incredible when there's music that we can now send our listeners to go listen to and be like hey if you like want to slowly get your maybe like questionable friends into having conversations give them this album play them this album ah, I love that please give all your problematic friends my album that that is literally that's gonna be my new PR statement oh my god this is the album for all your problematic friends and your problematic dad and your homophobic aunt. Like, just give it to all of them. Don't Literally. even say anything. Just tell them to listen to it. Yes, I love oh that. Oh my God. <laughs> well, with all this being said, Poppy, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. It's really been lovely to chat with you. Lovely to hear a different perspective from our own and to kind of like open our minds even a little bit more. So thank you so much for joining us and for everyone listening out there. We will have links to Poppy's socials and the albums you guys can go check out more yes thank you poppy thank you so much for having me can't believe we have a new bestie (laughs) (laughs) i love turning our podcast conversations into like new best friends oh such a lovely conversation for us oh my goodness i hope all of you guys really enjoyed that i'm sure you did because it was a it was a wonderful conversation for us love when we can have different perspectives and open our minds a little more Yeah, I know. And it was just like so interesting and so incredible that, again, TikTok always doing the most for us in regards (laughs) to like bringing people into our world. But it's just like truly when I say that like this album is an album you can give to whoever you care about that likes music and might not really know how to talk about this stuff. If music speaks to the people in your life more so than any other conversation way to like discuss these things that you care about, give them this album. It's truly incredible. And I'm not just saying that because we just talked to her. Like it's a very good album and she puts all of like our podcast thoughts into song in like the most incredibly eloquent way. (laughs) Next thing you know, we're going to be hiring artists to write songs based on our (laughs) podcast themes. (laughs) Just to like plant the seed a little bit more, just to like <laughs> slip it in, be like, okay, but what if, what if, get this, what if you wrote a song about the female gaze? What if you wrote a song about hands? Now oh my it. god. Like, can you just imagine where, like, guys, the new TikTok rumor is name three songs, is putting out industry plants. <laughs> goals, honestly, goals. <laughs> But yeah, we hope you enjoyed this conversation. We hope you enjoyed this new version of things that we're working on. We are in the midst of this new venture of the Name Three Songs brand to bring you guys in more to like the artists that we're into that we think share viewpoints and ethos with us in the Name Three Songs community because it's important to get to talk to these people and we've gone so far up the ass of psychology that we can't just have them on our Sunday episodes. <laughs> but we got to get that. them involved somehow because it's important to get their viewpoints because really without them, we wouldn't have the podcast. So yes, of course. So yeah. So come shoot us a message, a DM, a comment on the post about this episode. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Or if you have any suggestions of other artists you think we should check out and try and get involved in the conversation. We would love to hear your thoughts on that. So thanks for joining us in this midweek episode of Name Three Songs. We hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, listen to our Sunday episodes and educate yourself some more. And if you want to find out anything more about Poppy or anything else we reference in this episode, we will have those links over on namethroughsongs.com. 